This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time to be taken on a journey on the DJ Mac Travel Show, only on Plains FM. everyone and welcome to today's show. Today we're going to sort of jump around a little bit with a number of topics. Um, the first one is we're going to talk a little, about the, a little bit about the company that I own which is called Identity Tours. Now I'm not sure if people are aware that we are actually a Christchurch based um, tour company and we sell packaged tours um, we also can offer uh, like um, self-drive tours and, and all sorts of stuff that travel agents can do. But we also provide the services as well. So we actually provide the bus or the vehicle that can actually do the, the job that is required. And we also um, more specifically cater for people that need a little bit of extra care. So we deal with people with intellectual disability or some form of physical disability. Uh, so we have vehicles that have hoists and um, swing out chairs. We also have vehicles that cater for people that are in wheelchairs but are able to drive a car. So hand-controlled vehicles are available for rent as well. And we can also put packages together for those um, for a self-drive tour as well. And also we have a, a small 20-seater bus and a number of other vehicles that are, are set up um, also for um, touring around around New Zealand. So how has our organisation been affected by COVID-19 is probably one thing that maybe we talk about. So when we talk about identity tours, we look after people with an intellectual or physical disability, as I said before. We're also capable of looking after people who may be living in rest homes or just require a little bit of uh, extra care. So it's a more of a personalised one-on-one or small group to a company. And so the effect on Corona-19 or the, the, the whole virus, the pandemic and the way that New Zealand has shut down has affected our business in a number of ways, but also um, hasn't as well. So obviously in the level four lockdown and uh, we were basically like many other businesses, we were unable to operate. And also in level three, we were unable to operate as well. Um, level two has been relatively interesting with when we start talking about social distancing and some of the compliant rules or the way things work and also perception, public perception of a a group of people on a bus or a a vehicle. So we would run a tour when we were in level two or like we are now in level two, our first sort of stages of that was that we would deal with people and take around about 10 customers at a time. And most of the time, even before the pandemic and the issues that we've suffered this year, we would normally be running with two, um, with 10, 10 customers and two staff, so a ratio of one to five. Um, and we would normally either be using our high ace vans or we'd also use our 20-seater bus. During the pandemic, situation, we have been using our 20-seater bus because we've been able to maintain a better 
somewhat social distancing. So allowing people to sit um, in their own seat um, with a person either stagnated behind them or in front of them. And also doing the things such as having masks and hand sanitising. So when customer hops on the bus, they receive hand sanitizer. When they hop off the bus, um, we do the hand sanitising situation again. Um, but if we then do an activity, which might be anything, um, which is part of our itinerary, um, when we hop back on the bus, once again, hand sanitising, Face masks have been, we have used face masks on the bus as well. Um, some people are happy to use them and some people are not so happy. And at the moment, it is not mandatory for um, our industry as such to be having face masks on the bus, um, mainly because we have a tracking system already in place, which is our pickup list and our Basically, the situation is is that everyone is booked on. Um, we have the address. So our contact tracing, we know everyone, I guess, is the main point, that everyone on the bus is known to us and not so much in a public domain when you're travelling on a bus where people you, know, you do not know and never seen before or may have seen before, but you don't know who they are. So that's the difference there. One of the other things that we have done is prior to going into Level 4 lockdown, um, our company was about to print a number of brochures. One was a Christchurch local tour and the other one was a national and international tour brochure. And so we basically stopped the printing or didn't go to print and we spent the time over the four weeks redeveloping our tours to come out of uh, level four, and we had a basically had a went for a restart date of the fourth of July, and what we did there was that we changed the nature of some of the products that we were offering. So we not as as an organisation, we're not heavily relying on um, tours that someone else is providing us the entertainment. So we're not going to like a country music festival or anything like a, a, a fair or something that, that could be, um, for example, um, cancelled. Another one is the Pioneer big train show that happens at the Pioneer Stadium. So that's a very cautious one for us to take because that's actually been cancelled and if we were advertising that then that could become interesting because we're relying on someone else to provide the product for us. So we've moved a lot of our business away and we're doing a lot of self organising self tours that don't rely on other organisations to provide the entertainment. When it comes to our national tours what we've tried to do there is reduce the amount of travel between the island and so we'll move staff to the North Island, run a tour that is relatively similar to something that's been running in the South Island. So, for example, we did a um, approximately about two, three weeks ago, we did a South Island lighthouse tour. So it's just basically a drive um, and checking out a number of historic lighthouses on the east coast of the South Island. And then in approximately two months' time, we'll be doing the same type of tour in the North Island, um, basically travelling up the east coast of the North Island up to Castle Point and some other um, lighthouse stations around the country of the lower south, lower North Island, sorry. And um, it's relatively similar and design and the package is the same as basically as the South and North Island. And that's what we've tried to do with a number of other tours that are available on our list. 
How has identity tours been affected as the country has gone into different levels and as an organisation we have? So on Monday the 10th of August we had what was called a tour called Journey to the Coromandel Peninsula and it was ex-Auckland. And so what that meant was that we had staff that flew into Auckland on Sunday. They collected up one of our vehicles and then sort of spent the afternoon in Auckland and then on Monday morning they travelled to Auckland Airport to pick up a number of clients. Now these clients um, were, some had come from Palmerston North, some had come from Christchurch, some from Wellington and we also had one person who had been collected on Sunday who came from Cambridge. And on once that would that that was all done, the collection from the airport, they travelled to the Coromandel and they were actually staying in the township of Coromandel. And the main points of the whole sort of tour was to do the Driving Creek Railway, um, the Tiharaha Mineral Pools in, um, in the Waikato, a scenic tour out to Rotorua. And the tour was going to finish on the 14th of August and Friday in Auckland at back at the airport and so the staff would distribute everyone back to the airport and the, um, everyone would fly home and on Saturday the staff would then return back to Christchurch. Now that all went completely out the window on the 9th, Thursday, um, Tuesday the 9th of August when Auckland went into lockdown level 3 at 10 o'clock at night. And so that changed the whole perception of how or what was going to happen with the remainder of the tour. So Coromandel, the Waikato and the whole area of Bay of Plenty was not in level three lockdown. So the decision was made to continue operating the tour and continue to, to be very vigilant on how the tour operated from that point onwards and increasing our obviously our personal hygiene and making sure that we weren't in contact with people that we did not know. And so the tour did continue. The Driving Creek um, Railway was a very good success. They also travelled over to Hotwater Beach and sort of had a bit of fun in the sand as the tide came in and digging hot holes in the, in the sand. And all of the itinerary was actually done. But talking to the customers, it was then later decided that we were not going to return back into Auckland. We possibly could have been able to travel out of Auckland because everyone had boarding passes and there was a reason to be travelling to the airport, but it was decided that we would not do this. And so the trip started with a basically rebooking everyone to exit out of Wellington and it became a road trip. And so basically the van with the clients left and went to Cambridge, Harmister North, Wellington, and then boarded the ferry and then travelled to Christchurch. And on the way, everyone was basically dropped off at their destinations. And so that's how we basically overcome the whole issue with that situation. But then the whole point from everyone has completed the tour, they're all happy, everything has been done as well as we possibly could under the circumstances. But then the oncoming situation, the on, um, how would you describe it, the knock-on effect is now that one of our vehicles that's based in Auckland is now in Wellington. Um, it needs to go back to Auckland. Um, we 
have to wait for Auckland to come out of level three. And so last week um, was chaotic in returning or getting things back to somewhat of a normality. So originally it had a flight from Christchurch to Wellington on Jetstar that was cancelled unable to travel, so therefore the flight with Air New Zealand, well, I could have flown to Australia and back for the cost of that. So it was decided to once more drive to Picton, hop on the ferry, and then travel across the ferry to Wellington, pick up the van, take it back to Auckland, fly back to Christchurch after delivering it back to Auckland, and then basically hitching a ride with a friend of mine who works for a trucking company back to Picton to pick up the vehicle that was being left there. And so over a period of from Tuesday through to Friday, a one simple change in the operation of a tour resulted in a complete week being taken out as we tried to remove the return the vehicle back to where it needed to go. Um, and yeah, over 1,200 k's later and very, very tired, have, have done that job. So those are the, some of the impacts, some of the extra costs, the extra operations that need to be done just to move vehicles around or just to change um, something in relationship to what we're doing within our business. Um, luckily, we are in, in somewhat of a, a fortunate position where we do not rely on heavily how heavy, heavy amount of overseas inbound travellers. So we have a large customer base based around domestic travel. Um, obviously, we are not doing any international travel at the moment, and we do have a cruise booked at the moment to travel from Auckland to Tonga and to Fiji in February of 2021. So that leads us into the next stage of the show, and it is now talking a little bit about the cruise industry itself and where is it actually going to go. So there are a number of things that are happening in the marketplace and a lot of these things will depend on how or what you really want to do coming forward with your travel um, activity. So we have actually talked about travelling by plane and how that is going to change dramatically as many airlines will disappear and the price will obviously go up because of less more high demand with less amount of capacity. And the cruise industry is a little bit similar in a way, but it has um, some different aspects to deal with. So let's talk about New Zealand in the in the beginning. So cruises are actually some are actually scheduled to restart in the new year, around about December of this year or even January. As I said before, that where we're booked on a cruise for February, we've actually started to make some changes to that, but we were sort of been marketing that one as for Tonga to Fiji and back to Auckland. But PO Cruises of Australia, which is part of the Carnival Corporation, they have sending one of their ships to Auckland and will start doing tours or cruises for four or five or even eight-day cruises out of Auckland. Now, this is an Auckland-based itinerary, so these ones are travelling, for example, from Auckland down to Napier and back to Napier, and that's about four days. And then there's a, also an excursion around New Zealand, so that's from basically Auckland down to Akaroa, right down into Fiordland, back to Picton and back to Auckland. So these are basically, you don't basically require a passport to go onto these. It's just a matter of if you want to be in that cruise ship environment. 
A large number of the world's cruise ship fleet are based or are sort of anchored in sort of clusters of, of such, if you want to use that word. <laughs> um, and they are in places such as Manila Bay in the Philippines. Now, the reason for that is a large percentage of the crew um, from basically housekeeping right through to engineers and ship personnel are Filipino um, residents, and so that's why the ships have returned back to those places. Obviously, it makes sense that the people can offload, go and see their families, but then when the cruise industry starts to get back into go again... Um, those people will be re-employed. Also, off the coast of Miami and Florida, there's also another group of cruise ship companies that also have their ships parked there. So in the cruise ship industry itself, there are a number of things that have been happening over the last six months, and a lot of it is to do with downsizing and changing um, how their fleets are operating and it's also an acceleration of scrapping of vessels that we would probably may not know very well but for example in the United States the carnival ship called Carnival Fantasy has gone to the scrap heap and that is relatively it's probably a few years before it's time but it's also a strategic move by the Carnival Corporation because they don't probably want to, A, there's probably two things. It's one way of getting a bit of money in and it's also you probably don't want to be selling a relatively good ship to a competitor. But then are there competitors out there? Because out of the big three cruise ship companies, being Carnival Corporation, Norwegian and Royal Caribbean, these are the three that are probably expected to survive the most. And of course, Carnival is the largest of all those companies. And with brands such as Carnival Cruise Lines of the United States, they also own P&O Australia and also the Princess Line. They also own a number of other smaller brands as well. Um, but Princess and Crew and Princess and Piano Cruises are probably the most dominant ones here in um, the South Pacific, as such, with Australia and New Zealand. So that's partly what's happening within the the cruise industry. It's quite another situation. Is if COVID nineteen and the pandemic had not actually occurred, um, this year's cruising season for all of the companies um, worldwide was going to be a, a, a breakout, it was going to break records, it was going to be 32 million people would have travelled on a cruise ship this year for this whole, for the worldwide season. And so if you consider that in 2009, um, only 17.8 million people travelled in that year. So in approximately less than, in, within 10 years, it's it's doubled, just about doubled. So that would have been a boomer year for for the cruise ship industry itself. As for cruise ship companies that I know, I know um, Princess and P&O. These are the two companies that um, Identity Tours use. And um, it's just, we use them because familiarity and we know the pricing structure, we just know how they all work. And so sort of a bit of a background, the Diamond Princess, which is uh, an American which is part of the Carnival Corporation. It's a ship based in Japan. So this is the one that I've talked about before, where this ship is um, has, is basically designed for the Japanese market. And this is probably the one that was most, or was one of the first badly affected um, ships for infection of the coronavirus. And 
This is where Diamond Princess or the Princess Cruise Line has been criticised a little bit for its actions and allowing uh, its reputation to be somewhat damaged a little bit by what, how it reacted and what it actually did um, in the result of responding to the coronavirus. Some things have probably happened in the background as well where regulations in the Japanese government may not have been also as maybe as helpful. But this ship in Japan, the Diamond Princess, was relatively badly affected. Um, it had a very high case of infections. Over 700 people on board the Diamond Princess were t- tested positive with Corona-19, and eight passengers did die. The other two ships that were also um, encountered um, bad press as well, um, and there was actually three, if you really want to get into it, and basically based down here in the South Pacific as well. So the Grand Princess, which is the sister ship to the Diamond Princess, which is part of the Princess Cruise Line, and the Grand Norderdame is another ship that was heavily infected with coronavirus. Now, these two ships and the Grand Norderdame is part of Holland America, and Holland America is a Carnival Corporation brand as well. The Ruby Princess is another ship that also encountered major problems as they offloaded a large number of their passengers into Sydney without testing correctly, and that's where a number of the outbreaks of the coronavirus actually occurred within Australia was from the Ruby Princess, which was a ship that was actually sailing around at New Zealand at the time. So the criticism is that Princess or the Carnival Corporation didn't act appropriately enough or quickly enough and should have allowed the ship to be evacuated. And instead, they they did not do that. And so they resulted in, for example, the Diamond Princess going into quarantine for 27 days. So if you could ever been on a cruise ship before, imagine being confined to your room for 27 days. And if you don't have a balcony and you're inside a internal cabin, that would have been pretty unbearable at that time. So those are some of the things that were um, criticisms made towards the princess and its sort of subsidiary companies. Cruise ships do have, uh, not just with such things as the coronavirus, which is, as we've learned, is highly contagious and is transported relatively easy from person to person. But in the environment that you are in, um, cruise ships do have to be careful on the spread of not just such things as pandemics like COVID-19, but any type of infection from um, things like the common cold to norovirus to gastro problems. These are things that when people are in a holiday mode and also um, in confined spaces does spread relatively very, very quickly. I'm not saying that we should never do this or go cruising again, but I think there will be some changes in the way that cruise ships will operate in the future. And there will possibly be changes in the way that or how many cruise lines are available. But I think that as these older ships are now being scrapped, for example, the Carnival Corporation is removing six ships from its fleet this year. Um, Royal Caribbean has actually closed down part of its subsidiary cheaper brands and sent ships to the scrap heap as well. So there is going to be new ships come onto the marketplace, but some of these older ships will be definitely disappearing as cruise ship companies cash up. So let's talk about the biggest carnival 
Carnival is the largest. And so they have received a drop of up to 80 to 90% of their share price. So if you were interested in a bargain, I would you could start buying Carnival Corporation shares because they will rebound. And they have a history of rebounding. So another brand that Carnival also owns is Costa Concordia, and we should all know that ship. That is the Italian cruise liner that sank off the coast of Italy when the captain was showing off to some friends on the bridge in 2012, and he hit some uh, an outer reef and then sank his ship off his off the island where he grew up. So a bit embarrassing for that man. And also the Carnival Triumph, which a year later in 2013 lost power for five days after the engine room caught fire and half the crew and everyone couldn't stand being downstairs anymore because basically the toilets overflowed and the whole place flooded um, and they were bobbing around in the Pacific until rescue. So the company has basically recovered from these type of events. Maybe this is going to be a bit longer, but um, it has received a downgrade from S&P, has dropped its credit rating, but it is the world's largest cruise ship company and it have a revenue of last year of over $20 billion in sales for each year. And if you go into how it's performing now, it has basically been tapping into its reserves of $3 billion worth of profit. So it makes a $3 billion year profit. It had $3 billion worth of cash in its bank, and it's been able to increase the cash reserves to another $6 billion. So that's over $9 billion worth of cash that it just has sitting in its bank account. So if you've booked yourself on, for example, P&O or a Princess Cruise um, tour, and you're concerned about if they're going to go belly up, I don't think that's the case. And anything, they do have suspended or put on hold a number of new ships that were meant to be launched this year and next year. But that is relatively, though we're still taking delivery of those because, as I said before, they have actually removed over six cruise lines, um, cruise ships from their fleet. And I suspect that there will be more to come as well. The outlook for the cruise industry. Well, at Identity Tours, we're pricing up or moving some things around, as I said before, and we are looking at some cruises that will be taking place at the end of the year. I think that the industry is interesting. I think it's a great way to travel. Um, you can see a lot of destinations relatively very, very cheaply, um, and there will be bargains to be had. So I suggest that you look at the Princess um, website, the P&O website, or any of the other um, cruise companies that you're interested in, in travelling with and hunt around for a number of bargains. Just remember that we can still slightly travel out of New Zealand if you are willing to pay the $3,000 quarantine fee as you come back in. At the moment, you cannot fly to Australia unless you have a Pacific reason to do so. The Pacific Islands are out of bounds, but if you're keen to head to the United States, there's nothing stopping you <laughs> if you want to go. Um Cruise ships are not operating at this present time. There may be one or two if you can find them, but it's a very limited market at the moment. But I would be watching um, the space for pricing and destinations and bargains for the end of 2021 and definitely 2022. They're going to want you back on board and there'll be some really good sweeteners, I would say, coming your way.
Right, so that is today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to know more information, then definitely please call me on 021-759-234 or send us an email at douglas at identitytours.co.nz. Thank you for um, today and, and enjoy the lovely day that we've got and we'll talk to you next time. See you. If you liked today's show and would like to hear it again, please go to plainsfm.org.nz and download the podcast by searching the DJ Mac Travel Show. If you would like more information and would like to talk to someone, maybe myself, then please call us on 0800 196633 and that's at Identity Tours here in Christchurch. Thank you and have a good week.